Welcome back to another episode of Nevertheless, She Persisted, your how-to guide, happy place, and support system for navigating the ups and downs of life. Please share today's episode with your friends and family members and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And as always, I'm not a licensed therapist, just a teenage girl hoping to help. Enjoy! Hi guys, this week I'm here with Lisa from the Lisa Rants podcast. Hi! Would you introduce yourself for my listeners, tell them a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your podcast, all of that? Yeah, of course. Hi, everyone. I'm Lisa. I'm 25 years old, and I'm the host of the Lisa Rants podcast, and I'm just so happy to be here. Um, me and Sadie decided to collab, and I just thought that um, our both of our podcasts had a lot of similar topics, but I just thought it'd be fun to have like an open conversation just from my perspective, being 25, <laughs> your perspective, being 16, and I just thought it would be really fun. Yeah. So why did you decide to start a podcast and kind of share your life and your growth as you're going through it with an audience? Yeah. Um, so it's, my podcast is called Lisa Rants, and it's kind of funny because I've always been known on just just for going on rants all the time. Mm-hmm. I just like to talk, especially when there's a topic that I'm really passionate about. And I felt like when I was you know, adulting and kind of just getting older, there was just so much happening. And I, I just felt really passionate to share different stories and messages about just relatable topics that I feel like a lot of people my age um, are going through. Yeah. The main inspiration. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And do you think this has like helped you grow as you're talking to people and telling them as you're growing, as you're going through, or does it kind of make it more scary or more anxiety provoking because people are listening, people are waiting to hear how you're evolving and if you're continuing to push yourself to grow or just staying the same? Yeah, um, it's funny because sometimes I, I am super vulnerable in my podcast and I just, I think I just get in the zone and I'll be in here and just with my microphone and I'll just start talking but I think that is actually a, an amazing thing. I'm not really thinking about who's going to listen. It's kind of like that release for myself. Mm-hmm. And I've been able to get a lot of great responses and hearing people, you know, feel like they really relate to what I'm saying. And yeah. I think that even in your podcast, you're so vulnerable as well. And I think vulnerability is just like so important because it helps people feel like they're not alone. So I, just, I think it's great. Yeah, and I think that was, like, such a big thing for me as I was receiving treatment and help for my depression and anxiety. Like, every single Friday and Wednesday, we would do, like, vulnerability groups, and we would do these, like, exercises or tell stories just to get closer to each other. And I found over time that that connection that I had with other people and my relationship with my family, with my friends, like, all of that was built on vulnerability. And for so long, especially when I was struggling so much, taking that step to tell someone that I wasn't okay or that I needed help or that I even just cared about them, like that they mattered to me. I was so scared because I thought that would be a weakness or I thought that they would use that against me um, or that they wouldn't want to hear that from me. And it's, I really found that if I don't share myself, if I don't let people know how much they matter to me and tell them about what I'm going through or just me as a person, then I never have that connection because all of those connections that I have and that I'm building, they're all built on vulnerability. So I completely agree that that's so important from that perspective. Um, And I just want to say too, like, I just feel like I just love your podcast and just what you're doing. And I feel like you're so self-aware. Thank you. (laughs) You're really self-aware. And I think it's so awesome to hear your perspective. And I wish that I would have had something to listen to like your podcast um, when I was your age, just because 
hearing people's honest opinions, especially going through that time in your life, mm-hmm. it's really hard. And I think, yeah, just what you're doing is awesome. So, just- Thank you. Yeah. So you mentioned when we were talking that you'd experienced some anxiety, like especially around college. What was your experience with that, your story, all of that? Yeah. Um, so I was never actually diagnosed with anxiety, but mm-hmm. I think, um, I guess I would like to call it like a circumstantial anxiety because yeah. it only kind of happened at this one point in my life. Um, so I had graduated high school. Obviously, high school is like a really hard time. Yeah. And it was crazy. By the time I was a senior in high school, I really felt like, oh, my God, I found my tribe. Like everything was just perfect at the yes. end of high school. Right. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, my God, I have to leave all my friends. I'm going out of state to college. And I was I had so much anxiety about leaving and leaving home for the first time and just very unsure about everything. And it actually kind of manifested into physical anxiety symptoms, mm-hmm. um, just like a lump in my throat, heart palpitations. I just felt sick all the time. The summer, I just wanted to stay home, not leave the house, um, not eat. It was really affecting me physically. And I remember going to a lot of doctors and they're like, you're fine, you're fine, you know, and I just couldn't really figure out what was going on. I think because I graduated high school in 2012 and I mm-hmm. feel like that was right before anxiety really became more well known. Yeah. And um, I was seeing all these doctors, but they weren't actually telling me, okay, maybe this is, it's coming from your mind. Maybe you're actually Mm -hmm. dealing with a lot of stress. They weren't, they weren't telling me these things. And so I was able to fortunately, you know, cope with it with the help of my mom and just a lot of like spiritual practices, meditation. But once I got to college, it kind of weaned off when I was able to get more comfortable. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I haven't had diagnosed anxiety, but I do know how debilitating it can be. And I understand Mm -hmm. just from experience how hard it is to live with. Yeah. And I want to touch on that also, like how you say you haven't had diagnosed anxiety, but you obviously experienced it. Like that was really difficult for you. And I feel like that's such a gap that people feel like they need the label. They need the doctor to say, this is what you're experiencing. And everyone will experience anxiety at some point. Everyone experiences like a down day or a low. And it's so versatile. We're all connected because we feel these highs, we feel these lows. And you don't need a label. You don't need a name for it. You don't need that prescription just to prove that you're not doing well because it's all subjective. And so that's something that I try to do, which is offer people support because even if it's just a little anxiety about a presentation or like being at home, like the skills that people like me and my very lowest points are using to like calm down from a panic attack, when you're anxious about going outside because of the coronavirus, like same skills are applicable, same things can be helpful because the emotion is the same across everyone. So I think that's super important. Um, So you mentioned like spiritual practices, um, getting support from your mom. How were you coping? What did you find that was helpful? What do you still do now to maintain that calm and decreased anxiety? Yeah, um, I definitely think that I really like to, and I know this doesn't work for everyone, but this is Mm -hmm. what worked for me, but I did a lot of meditation and Mm -hmm. self-reflection. For me, I, I journal like crazy. I really need to write out what I'm feeling, get it out. But actually, now that I've gotten older, um, I I started now seeing a spiritual coach or mm-hmm. even, you know, a therapist, whatever works for you. But I see a spiritual coach and I talk to her every week. I'm going to talk to her tonight. Mm-hmm. And she really helps me just process any emotions I'm feeling, anything I'm dealing with. And that's honestly the best thing that's ever that I've ever done for myself in my mm-hmm. entire life. And I feel so much happier now just being able to really have that 
person to go to who's not biased, not someone in Absolutely. my life. Because I felt like I was unloading a lot on my mom a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just, and I just felt like now that I'm talking to someone, I've built that relationship. I really trust her. And it's just been like a complete 180 of just dealing with my life, feeling happier, more positive emotions. And yeah, so that's been a game changer. If you really feel like you need help, I mean, I know you're an advocate for this as well, mm-hmm. just like talking to someone. Yeah, but by yeah. myself, I just try to cope by meditating, journaling, just trying to do anything that will relax me, just self-care. So. Yeah, I think that's really cool how you mentioned the journaling, because when I think of podcasts, it's kind of like an audio journal, like you're recording your emotions and your feelings at like a certain point of time. So that's I think that's really cool that you took this practice that you love, which is journaling, and you brought it to a way you can share it with an audience in a way you can still be vulnerable and help other people at the same time. So I think that's really awesome. You know, it used to be a blog. And mm-hmm. I just felt like um, that wasn't the right medium for me. And then mm-hmm. when I discovered podcasting, I was like, oh, this is great. It just it's so much easier for me. Everything just flows out. And Mm -hmm. yeah, like you said, it definitely connects with journaling, just getting that vulnerability out. And yeah. Yeah. And I completely agree having that one person to talk to. I know like there's something so freeing about having someone, again, that's completely impartial. You can just go in, you can meet with them and you can tell them whatever you want. You can let go of whatever you're feeling. And then after that hour's up, like you can leave it there. You don't have to take it with you and you don't have to worry about them going around and telling it to someone else. And you can just leave it there and get that support from someone that's not so like in your life. And they also like, I feel like my therapists know me better than anyone else because I lean on them for that support. And it's crazy because it's not something you see everyone every day. Like they don't live with me. They're not like my close friends. And yet they know me so well because they see like that vulnerability and stuff. So I think that's such an interesting dynamic and relationship for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I really like listening to your episodes about confidence and your journey of like finding it. And so I was wondering what tips do you have for listeners trying to become more confident or find that confidence in themselves? Mm-hmm. So this is a great question because when I was listening to your podcast, um, I forget which episode it was, but you were touching upon like, this is why I say you're self, you're so self-aware because you were tapping into the fact that you had um, maybe like unworthiness feelings about mm-hmm love and being loved and that is literally my experience yeah um (laughs) to a t um and that's that's what I've been kind of working through with my spiritual coach and I think for me um I placed a lot of my value and worthiness upon my physical appearance and it was just hard going through high school and college I feel like there was a lot of like myself included just vain people around me and Mm -hmm. especially when I was going to college, that's when Instagram really picked up. And um, all of a sudden it was like, oh my God, how many followers do you have? How many likes do you Mm -hmm. have? And I just never felt good enough. I never felt pretty enough. I just didn't feel, you know, I was, I wanted to date so badly and I just couldn't find a guy that really liked me and just Mm -hmm. a lot of things Mm -hmm. that I dealt with. And I think that one of my lowest points was in college and just feeling so I I would go out with my friends and I would come home and I would cry because I was just like, oh my God, I just don't feel confident. I don't feel attractive. You know, it was just a lot. And I finally was like, okay, I need to make a change. And I started really just doing a lot of research. Um, There's this woman, she's passed away now, but her name is Louise Hayes. She has a lot of books about, um, one of the best books is called You Can Heal Your Life. I think even teenagers can read this book. It's really easy to read. Mm -hmm. But she does this thing called mirror work. 
And it's basically when you want to look in the mirror and just um, repeat positive affirmations to yourself. Mm -hmm. And because I'm a huge believer in the way that you think about yourself is the way that other people see you. Um, I know this is getting a little spiritual. And no, you're good. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's really true. And I was able to really come into this transformation of being like, okay, Lisa, you're beautiful. You're a boss. You're amazing. Mm-hmm. And the more I started to believe it, my people around me were like, oh, wow, Lisa, you look amazing. Like I was getting more compliments. I kid you not, Sadie, it was so strange. Like <laughs> the more I started to love myself and think that I was beautiful, other people, I was getting more attention from guys. Not that that matters, mm-hmm. but you know, it was just like, m- internally I was able to change and then externally everything changed for me. And so that's why I'm a huge, I love to push on my podcast, especially just like you really have to do the work with yourself, working with a therapist to really uncover those inner blocks that you have. Because Mm -hmm. I swear, once you get rid of that unworthiness about love, your life will completely change. And I've seen it firsthand. Yeah, that's amazing. I completely agree. Like, you can't help other people. You cannot like support someone else until you really love yourself and you care about yourself and that for me is like a constant journey of continuing to choose to like be kind to myself and love myself and tell myself I deserve to be loved like the people around me want to be around me like I deserve that um and so I totally agree that it's so important to focus on yourself first and things around you will change the result as soon as I started really like just practicing like self-compassion and prioritizing me and like my basic needs my connections were stronger I was having better relationships with people so it's crazy how those two are interconnected Mm -hmm. that's awesome and you're really lucky too because like I keep saying this but you really know yourself and if I knew these things when I was your (laughs) age I feel like I would have a way better head start on everything so it's really good that you're discovering these things now even though it's hard even though you're Mm -hmm. you know you dealing with depression, anxiety, um, just know that the path you're on, I think is really awesome. Thank you. I'm, I hope so. And when I do think about like going through all that and how much pain, like I felt like I was in, like it makes sense why I would have gone through that so that I can help other people. Um, and there were so many things that went right. So many moments where I look back and I'm like, I'm so lucky to have gone to meet these people and work with these people. And it makes sense because I can help other people. And yeah, when I think about like, when I'm very in touch with my feelings and my emotions, it's so different from how I used to be. I was so uncomfortable feeling sad or even happy. Like I would just be completely apathetic. And the thought of thinking about what emotions I was feeling or what thoughts I was having was so overwhelming. And it definitely didn't come without a lot of work. Like I was in intensive treatment for a year and a half. And that was like being away from my family day after day, like tons of therapy um, and like group therapy every day, like intensive work on myself. And now like I do feel like I have a better understanding of myself, but it's always changing and it's always evolving. Like I felt like I completely understood myself when I was in Boston or when I was at boarding school in Montana. And then every time you, you move your locations or your social dynamics change, you have to come back to understanding what your emotions are in those situations, what your thoughts are, how your beliefs are changing and continuing to evolve with that. So it's definitely a continuous thing. You can't just stop after a certain amount of time. Like, okay, I've grown. Like I'm at this place where I understand what I'm going through. It's, it's definitely, um, ongoing for sure. Yep. A hundred percent. Yeah. Are you 
interested in making your own podcast too? Download Anchor. I released every episode of Nevertheless She Persisted through Anchor and I love it. It's free, you can edit and publish your episodes from anywhere, and I put my podcast on every listening platform like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google. I definitely recommend it. They also have cool background musics, transition musics, and you can record sponsorships like this one. Be sure to check it out. It has everything you need for your podcast. Download the free Anchor app in the App Store or wherever you get your apps or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that's anchor.fm. Um, so you mentioned social media. How do you navigate that in a healthy way? Especially, I mean, now I notice like myself, social media is something I feel more drawn towards. Like I, there's just more time. Like how are you navigating that to keep your mental health in a good spot, maintain confidence, all of that? Yeah. Um, in general, I really, so I'm a person, I love Instagram, but, Mm -hmm. um, you have to take it with a grain of salt because Mm -hmm. you can really, I notice myself, I start to um, have a lot of validating, like I need a lot of validation through social mm-hmm. media, like mm-hmm. those behaviors, like I'll, I'll take a picture and I'm like, oh, I love this picture. This big picture better get like 200 likes, like all mm-hmm. this stuff. And it's it's really ridiculous when I say it out loud because it's like, why do I care? But you know, it's just like, I feel like our generations, like we're just so conditioned to really care about just like what our peers are thinking about us, how much clout we're getting on the internet. Mm -hmm. And I've really had to, um, I remember like a couple years ago, I would get really upset about like, oh my God, my birthday party picture didn't get enough likes and like, oh my God, it's, it's insane. And I think that I was, I really had to, you know, realize like, okay, social media is just a vehicle and Mm -hmm. I just, it came more with just me like working on my confidence and being more authentic. And I was, I just made a decision one day. I'm like, I'm going to post whatever I want. I don't care what people have to say about me. Mm -hmm. I don't care how many likes I get, you know, Instagram is supposed to be a creative outlet and it's not really supposed to be this thing where you just kind of like show off and (laughs) want to be cool. And I think it's hard because it is such a highlight reel. Mm-hmm. everyone's posting the best parts of their lives. Their Insta story is the coolest part of their day. Mm-hmm. And I think just me constantly reminding myself that it's like, okay, this girl, you know, she posts pictures and bikinis every day, but she, you don't know what she's going through behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, just bringing, bra- bi- sorry, <laughs> bringing back <laughs> gratitude. I was just like, okay, wait, Lisa, like, no, you, you have an amazing life and you don't have to compare it to these girls that you see on Instagram. And just realizing like half of that stuff isn't even real. There's so much Facetune and Photoshop. Um, mm-hmm. So just loving my body, loving myself, being authentic is, that's the best way that I can navigate um, social media. And even during this quarantine time, especially, I've just been on my phone a lot. I don't know about mm-hmm. you. Oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely. There's nothing to do. And I, I see people, you know, doing these live workouts and um, they're still like getting up and doing all this stuff. And sometimes I'm just like, I just want to lay in bed. Yeah, totally. For me, I was like, Lisa, there's nothing wrong with that. You don't need to be rising and grinding like mm-hmm. everyone else. And doing so much hard work like maybe this quarantine time for you is to just relax and be in pajamas Mm -hmm. all day Mm -hmm. um so it's just about being kind to yourself 
Yeah, I totally agree. And I think for me with social media, I've had such a kind of odd, unique relationship with it because my parents, when I was at home, when I was like in younger and in middle school, the first punishment was always the phone. Like they, they would be like, uh, you didn't do the dishes? No phone. Or like you didn't get up on time? No phone. Like that was always their go-to. So I would go like months without a phone. Um, so I like didn't have social like media for long periods of time. And then once my mental health started deteriorating, I would be like in the hospital for weeks. Or I would be like on the East Coast, like getting treatment. So I wouldn't even have my phone. So I think that kind of, it was an interesting way to have a relationship with social media because I would go these really long periods of time without any like connection or like ability on social media. And then when it would be reintroduced, it would be like my parents being like, well, let's try like 30 minutes a day first. Like we don't want her to get overwhelmed. And I was like, guys, I can handle this. Like I know how to do it. Like I, (laughs) it's fine. Like, and um, therapist would be like, she's got to figure out for herself. Like you won't always be here. And so it's definitely very interesting. Like I, for Lent, like I always like try and give something up. Normally it doesn't last at all. I go like three days of like no carbs and I'm like, it's done. Like, but this time I did um, social media and I did stick with it. I gave up like all my personal accounts. And so that was really interesting. It's almost over this next weekend, but it's going to be really, I'm definitely going to have to pay attention to reintroducing one at a time. What brings up those negative thoughts of, oh, they're doing things that are more fun than me or they are prettier they like are being so much more productive and kind of keeping that in check and kind of being like okay maybe I'll do like one day a week without Instagram because that has like the most detrimental effects on my mental health or whatever that might be so that's something I definitely think is helpful just having that time without social media to get that clarity but the other thing is you have to be the one to decide to do that like when my parents would be like no phone I'd be like no, like, I'm still going to go on social media on, like, other people's phones or, like, on my computer, like, so you definitely have to be the one to initiate that and want to learn from that experience, and I think that goes for a lot of things in life. Yeah, definitely, and I think another good tip is to um, just kind of really monitor who you're following. (laughs) (laughs) I did, like, a follower sweep, like, a couple weeks back, and I was just, like, unfollow, unfollow. She makes me feel bad. You want to follow people who you feel inspired by, who you feel like are relatable and make you feel happy when you see their content Mm -hmm. you don't want to look at people who make you feel bad about yourself yeah and I know that was something for me too like the biggest thing for me social media is like people that I used to like date like seeing that just makes me feel awful or if they're dating someone new and I'm like oh this is like awful for me so like a couple months ago I was like why am I even following them like this is just there's no way this will end well So, like, taking them off, like, my account was, like, really difficult because, like, well, then I don't know, like, what's happening. Like, I like having that ability to kind of know what's going on in their life. But it didn't help me in any way. Like, I would see photos of them, like, their new girlfriend or whatever, and I'd be like, this sucks. Like, I would just feel awful. I'd be like, well, I'm better. Like, and so... I think that was, like, a really big thing for me was being, okay, I'm blocking them. I know there's no way this is going to end well, even though it was difficult. I think that's been something that has been good for sure. Yeah. The mute and the block buttons are Mm -hmm. my best friends. Oh, I completely (laughs) agree. And I was just thinking about, like, what's best for your mental health? Like, maybe other people might be like, wait, why aren't you, like, being followed? Or, like, why don't, don't you talk to this person? But really prioritizing what makes you feel the best, what helps you grow as a person and find that happiness. But yeah. Yeah. 
that is the number one most important yeah, thing. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, so I feel like a lot of teens and college students are having to kind of take school and now their whole life's into their own hands. They don't have this bell to get up for and make it to school on time or college students don't have their classes to go to or their dorm environment, all of that kind of stuff. So I know you talk a lot about maintaining like or like navigating your life and having that in your own hands and that responsibility. So what advice do you have for creating balance and navigating that in a way that allows you to maintain your mental health? Yeah, um, so balance is huge. And even one thing I've heard that you talked about on your podcast for me is having a routine. Mm-hmm. Um, so routines for me, and that's why I think quarantine has been hard, even on a lot of people's mental mental health. Oh, totally, <laughs> absolutely. Our routine is completely gone. Um, but like for me, I always make sure to have a balance of my responsibilities, like things that I have to do, and then mm-hmm. balancing it off with things that I genuinely love to do and enjoy and things for myself that'll make me happy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, before quarantine, I had this great routine mm-hmm. <laughs> of, you know, I take like spin classes like three times a week. I'm, mm-hmm. I love working out. It's such a great release for me. Um, haven't been doing that much during quarantine. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I love working out. I love um, watching awful reality TV shows on Bravo, Real Housewives, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like <laughs> just getting my work done, doing my podcast, doing a little TikTok tutorial, mm-hmm. like just making sure I have that healthy balance of everything in my day. And honestly, I think that is what, like, I really thrive when I have a, a routine and I get everything I need to do done on my to-do list. I get to indulge in my favorite foods and hang out with friends and Mm -hmm. just, again, the balance of responsibility and self-care, so. Yeah, I totally agree. And the other thing that's been so helpful to me during this time is kind of just letting go at the end of the night when there was this school schedule or like having to be like at work at a certain time the next day and being like, I don't have enough hours in the day to get all these things done. Now with just having less deadlines and more flexibility with the schedule, I can put things away at night and not be worried, oh, I didn't get that done. I can just let it go and be like, I need to go to sleep and I need to have some time for me, for self-care, for my mental health, and that's totally fine. That's okay, and it'll still be there tomorrow. So I think that's been one of the greatest parts about the whole quarantine and navigating schedule is that you can truly let things go and not have to worry about facing the major consequences the next day. And not to say that you shouldn't be doing your work, you should be avoiding everything. But if something's due on Friday, you don't have 12 hours of work or school or whatever it is and only two hours to finish it, you have a lot more flexibility. So you can choose what works best for you and your mental health and completing everything you have to get done. Yeah, exactly. Just like getting yourself on like a schedule of being like, okay, today is my day. My spiritual coach told me, she's like, take that one day a week to just like, be lazy like not do anything and I just think that's really important to do I totally agree I've noticed like there's one day every single week where I take like three naps in one day and it's like the craziest thing I'm just so tired like I end up sleeping in and then I'm like taking a nap on the couch in the middle of the day and I'm like what is happening but for some reason just having that day where it's chill and I can just do things at my own pace it's super nice and it's been it's definitely been good for my mental health for sure yeah and i think you need to allow yourself to do that Mm -hmm. again just going back to social media with quarantine for me sometimes i was i I found myself beating myself up because i wasn't 
doing these workouts and mm-hmm. <laughs> just mm-hmm. just waking up early and just being more productive with my time. I think a lot of people I saw on, I saw on Twitter a lot people saying like this is the perfect time to start a business and <laughs> you know like all this stuff and I'm like that's that's not everyone you know yeah so it's not realistic really take this mm-hmm. time to relax and that's not a bad thing mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it's definitely a nice break and it's you time to work on yourself and even if it's been like what three four weeks now and you don't see some major marker of change in your mental health or in like your physical fitness I know for me when I was in treatment for literally a year and a half working on myself 24 7 like months would go by and I'd be like is anything changing like I don't understand what's going on like I don't see a difference I feel the exact same and so sometimes change is two steps forward one step backwards or one step forward two steps backwards and it's hard to see and when you really do take a step back sometimes it can be easier to see that things are changing but it's okay if you don't think things are you don't have a new business you don't have like a completely different like you're not eating super healthy all that kind of stuff so you're not training for a new marathon or something like that so I definitely think it's okay if you don't feel like you see some dramatic crazy change because sometimes change takes time it's really tiny and it still has an impact that's positive on your life yeah it takes a lot of time and patience is key you know just being patient not only with your circumstance but with yourself so Mm -hmm. I love that I completely agree. Um, Well, yeah, thank you so much for talking to me and coming on and just talking about confidence and self-love and anxiety and all of that. I feel like we had a really good conversation, so I really appreciate that. We really got into it. I loved this. It was awesome. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Um, So yeah, listeners, be sure to head over to the Lisa Rance podcast to listen to the collab we did on her show, um, where I talk a little bit more about my story. We talk about all of that kind of stuff we dive into it so yeah be sure to listen to that check that out i'll link it in the description so yeah thank you for coming on again um any last like parting advice for listeners yeah so i assume that your listeners are you know your age in their teenage mm-hmm. years and i just really want to encourage anyone listening that you know if you're going through a hard time struggling with mental health and just the the process of growing up um to just really be kind to yourself and Mm -hmm. you know just not really care what people think i wish someone told me like none of these opinions matter yeah i feel like high school is such a hard time even college is kind of hard too just the whole process of become growing from a child to an adult is it's a tough one and i'm glad people have podcasts like ours to listen to and help support them but I just want people to know out there, you know, it does get better. Mm-hmm. You know, you're always growing, you're always evolving and just be your most authentic, happy self and just do whatever you need to do for your happiness and mental health. Awesome. Well, perfect. Um, yeah, everyone head over to listen to our collab on Lisa's show and thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this week's episode of Nevertheless, She Persisted, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and share with your friends and family. To stay updated on new episodes dropping and bonus content, follow Nevertheless She Persisted on social media. Instagram at She Persisted Podcast, Twitter at Persist Podcast, Facebook at Nevertheless She Persisted Podcast with Sadie Sutton, and check out my website, ShePersistedPodcast.com. And don't worry, all of these are linked in today's episode notes. Don't forget to subscribe, and I'll see you next Friday.